Thank you for choosing to listen to this message. At Coastal, we believe in changing and enriching lives through the power of the Word. We pray that this message would be a blessing to you. Fred, we love you. This is yours. I was going to just save the, the number of bottles in this year. Let me pray for you, my friend. I know that. Uh, oh, yes. Um, the middle schoolers, I did. I see the. Uh, you get the cue, sorry. <laughs> I was asked to dismiss them after. But I'm so excited about what's happening today. It's just uh, one of those things. Need to flash it up on the screen there. Remember, Rod, remember. Hello. Play, play the music. I definitely remember it. Hallelujah. I remember having to preach in front of eldership and leadership at Church of the Nation, leadership sitting, and it's always around Christmas, and I, my, my, I said, what can I say? And I tell you what, that this man has got a depth of God, which I just cherish, and I thank. Father, thank you for, for Fred today. I just thank you as uh, we just yield our hearts to your word this morning. I know that your word is designed to transform us into your likeness. And so, Father, we yield to that. I thank you for Fred as he delivers the word. And, Father, that our hearts will be open to what you've placed within him as he ministers today in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Fred. Okay, am I on? No turning back now. Wow, it's too quiet, guys. That's too quiet for me. Um, yeah, thank you. Love you guys too. You guys are a great-looking bunch. Um, not one of you look uh, below standard, I guess. <clears throat> I gotta be careful, cause Rod. I, yeah, we're gonna move on with the message. <laughs> um, but anyway, yeah, just um, such an honor. Um, we did not know that this was going to happen uh, until after we, I was asked to preach today. So just incredible. And if you hear what I feel the Lord put in my heart to share with you today, it's incredible how God lines stuff up um, to the point where I just, I just stand in awe, to be honest. Um, so just excited. I need to just calm myself down a little bit because I'm not trembling in my boots because I'm afraid. I felt his presence in worship. And felt him standing over there. So Adam preached a message two weeks ago called You Were Made for This. Incredible message about the purpose of the church, the, the church, its place in culture today, and our place as, as the church. And it's a great message. I want to encourage you, if you didn't hear it, I want you to go back and listen to it. It's available on all our platforms and then this past week, we had the privilege of having um, Dad, Pastor John, share a message which I'm convinced not one of us escaped that message, if we had to be honest. Um, we bumped into Scott Cruz the next morning in Target, and he, he was just saying that very thing. He said, wow, that, that message touched far and wide. Um, so great message. And I didn't know what Adam was going to share on, and I don't know what what Pastor John was going to share on when I felt the Lord laid some stuff in my heart. And so today, if I think about what I felt the Lord put in my heart, I feel like it fits in um, in the middle of those two messages. And we'll unpack that and that will make a bit more sense as we go on. Um, what I felt the title for today's message would be is, what, um, 
No, I've forgotten the title of my message. <laughs> Do we have it? Oh, what is in your hands? Um, that's not coming up in the back. But anyway, what is in your hands? Uh, living, and our subtitle, Living Disclaimer Free. And we can unpack that as we go on. I do believe that God has called us on the earth for times such as this. There's no one person he's left out. The Lord is still calling people today into this glorious, incredible kingdom. Um, We are not meant to just be here and wait to exit. We are meant to occupy the earth. And I believe it. I'm so convinced of that. And I think um, Pastor John shared a prophetic word that Willie Crew had um, a number, a few years ago or something. The Lord showed him this picture. He gave him this word that said, where you see the chaos, look for the harvest. Um, And I believe that it does not take much for us today to look across the earth and to see the chaos, to look into culture today and see the chaos, look into our cities and governments and educations and see chaos. But I don't wanna just make it all gloom, uh, doom and gloom because there are incredible things that the Lord is doing through his body today on the earth. Uh, But we need to be aware of that. So with that, um, we are going to look at the story of Gideon. I love Gideon. I think he's such a relatable character in the Bible. Um, but before we get to Gideon, I just want us to read the backdrop as to where we find Gideon in the story. So if you have your Bibles with you, uh, you can open up to Judges 6. If you have electronic devices like I'm using today, you can use that. And if you're joining us online today, it will be on the screen for you as well. But Judges chapter 6, and we're going to read from verse 1. The Israelites did evil in the Lord's sight, so the Lord handed them over to the Midianites for seven years. The Midianites were so cruel that the Israelites made hiding places for themselves in the mountains, the caves, and strongholds. Whenever the Israelites planted their crops, marauders from Midian, Amalek, and the people of the east would attack Israel, camping in the land and destroying crops as far away as Gaza. They left the Israelites with nothing to eat, taking all the sheep, Goats, cattle, and donkeys. Now, I'm sorry, by anyone's standards, that is a rough day. That is a rough week. That is a challenging month. Um, And we read in in the beginning of that passage as to why they find themselves in this place. But nonetheless, it's a a difficult time. And it's in this environment that we we come to Gideon in verse 12. And um, we find Gideon and his location doesn't really match his vocation. Um, he's the bottom of a wine press, um, busy hiding out, and he's threshing wheat. And the angel of the Lord appears to him and says some words that should breathe life into every single person that should ever hear these words. And we're going to read that. Oh, it's up on the screen. There we go. So Judges 6.12, it says, The angel of the Lord appeared to him and said, Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. Mighty hero, the Lord is with you. In NIV, it says, um, it translates it differently. It says, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Now, I have said mighty hero. I'm not, my wife is a stage person. But I try to make that big because there's no way the angel Lord's gonna appear and go, uh, mighty hero, uh, the Lord's with you. <laughs> he was declaring something over Gideon. So if it was me and I was ever in my quiet time or at the bottom of a wine press threshing wheat and the Lord had to appear to me and say, mighty hero, I would believe him. I mean, I would believe him. I mean, I might believe him so much that I got all my family and say, guess what? Guess what? I just had a quiet time and the Lord said, I'm his hero. Right? Come on, let's just be honest. But yes, Gideon, in the, in, in the next verse, he says to the angel of the Lord, sir, uh, whoever you are, how? 
How can you make that statement? Do you not see the stuff that is going on around us? What about all the testimonies from my parents, my grandparents, my great-grandparents about the faithfulness of God? Do you not see the situation we're in? Right now, we're busy hiding out in the mountains. We're in the caves. I don't know what a stronghold is, but anyway, they were in strongholds. Um, they had no food. All the livestock was taken from them. That is a rough day. How on earth are we in this place and you say that over us, that the Lord is with us or the Lord is with me? It doesn't feel like it, right? And the angel of the Lord kind of um, ignores Gideon's retort, kind of ignores his disclaimer um, and says this next um, verse 14 to him. And it says, Then the Lord turned to him and said, Go with the strength you have and rescue Israel from the Midianites. I am sending you. And I thought just, just, uh, just to pause it there quickly, what Rod just shared this morning is incredible how God even confirmed what I felt God laid in my heart to share today. Even in what he woke up with this morning, um, that the Lord is sending us. There's something that's coming and we need to be ready um, for that season. So Gideon, so self-conscious of his situation, tries to remind God of who he is. And we read this in, in the next verse, in verse 15, it says, but the Lord, Gideon replied, how can I rescue Israel? My clan is the weakest in the whole tribe of Manasseh, and I am the least in my entire family. Anyone else ever felt like that? Yes. So I'm gonna put into some language that would be modern that we would be, uh, be able to relate a bit more. So yeah, yes, Gideon says to the angel, I don't know if you, um, if you know or not, but uh, my family, half of us did 23andMe, and the other half of us did Ancestry.com, and years will be found out. Um, if we had to have a family reunion and we had to, you had to gather us all up by a clan and tribe, we're the weakest tribe out of all the tribes. We're the weakest tribe out of all, all the tribes. And out of all of those tribes, we're the weakest clan of all the families in our tribe. And then we did one just by family, and we found out that we that I'm actually the weakest one. And we found, and we found this out on a weekday. I tried, I tried, there we go. All right, so yes, Gideon again, second round, more disclaimers. All, he, all the way here from Gideon's, I'm weak, I'm weak, I'm the weakest, I'm the weakest in my family, I'm the weakest in our tribe, there's just no ways that this could be what you are saying over me. And I wanna just encourage you today as I felt the Lord encouraged me. And today I'm gonna be a little bit personal with, with this message because that's exactly what it was. It, it's been personal to me in the last season. Um, when God speaks a word over you, when God speaks a word over someone, he has already taken into account who he's telling the word to. His word is not gonna return void just because you think you don't match up to the word that he's spoken over you. We have to believe us. You see, God has plans for you. God has plans for me. God had plans for Gideon in this. When the Lord says, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. When he says he's with you, there's a pretty good chance he's got a plan for your life. And we need to believe that. See, Gideon should have been excited at the sound of hearing this, but he wasn't. Because of his situation, because of his frame of mind, he struggled to see himself the way that God saw him. And I believe that we have disclaimers, and I have may have many disclaimers in my life because we struggle to believe what the Lord says of us, even what Ephesians speaks about us. Ephesians says that we are his masterpiece. 
But we struggle to believe it because the enemy will come and remind us of, oh, come on, don't kid yourself. You know who you are. You know what your week's been like. You know what your family's like. For Gideon, you're the weakest of them all. You're the weakest. Let's not kid ourselves. For me, what do you think you're doing leaving a country to go found a church? What do you think you're doing trying to lead a team in worship? You haven't got the qualifications. And look at this person. They look better. They sound better. What are you doing? You're kidding yourself. How can you preach? You haven't got a theology degree behind your name. I'm being honest with you this morning. Because we play all these disclaimers against what the Lord has already declared over us as a people. And it keeps us stagnant. And we don't move forward. See, I don't, and I say this respect, I don't care if you're 8 or 80. If you're alive and breathing on the earth today, God has a plan for you. There's a, there's a song that I love written by Elevation. It says, if God's not dead, with, if you're not dead, God's not dead. He's alive. Um, but if you're not dead, then God's not done. And I say with respect, I know there are people that have loved, missed, uh, lost loved ones. But if, you, if we are on this earth right now living and breathing, then God has a plan for every single one of us. Judges 6.14, um, it speaks about God is also strong in us. And he promises that he will be strong in us. And this is his response to Gideon. Then the Lord turned to him and said, go with the strength you have. Isn't that incredible? Gideon comes with all these things, even that whole thing about we're the weakest tribe out of all the tribes, we're the weakest family. And I just think it's, it's a bit humorous, but also um, incredibly profound that the Lord simply replies, well, go with the strength you have. Because sometimes we, it becomes more about our strength. Well, no, I need to get to that place where I'm strong. Well, I need to get to a place where I, where I kind of feel like I can handle it. And also, no, I've called you. Go with the strength you have because He is the strength in us. He promises He will be strong in us. He promises that He will show up strong in us. All that we are required to do is to what? Be obedient to what He's called us to do. No matter what comes, no matter what the enemy would try and, uh, and so into our minds, the disclaimers that we think of. I want to go to another story in the Bible, which I think is an incredible story. And it's, um, we all know the story. It's a story of where Jesus feeds the 5,000. Um, you heard the story? And I, I've heard this and I heard this a while back, but it's been, it was so impactful when I heard it initially. And I just felt God remind me of this again as I was preparing. So it starts out, Tensions are rising. Uh, the disciples are getting a little bit stressed. Uh, there's a large crowd gathering now. People haven't eaten. They're getting hungry. And I mean, we have little kids. I know when, when my kids get hangry, it's not, it's not easy. So we got a whole bunch of people hangry. Um, the disciples haven't eaten. They're hungry. Um, it's, getting, it's getting late now. It's getting dark. It's becoming dangerous to travel at night. And the disciples are a little bit on edge. And yes, Jesus leans over to Philip, and he asks him this question, which is kind of like a roll your eyes question. Um, and we're going to read that in John 6, 5. It says, Jesus soon saw a huge crowd of people coming to look for him. Turning to Philip, he asked, where can we buy bread to feed all these people? Right? <laughs> now, I could just imagine privately between the disciples, this might have been a dumb question. I'm not saying Jesus asks dumb questions. Because we'll see in the next verse, Jesus knew exactly what he was doing with this. But to us, it's like a roll your eyes kind of question. Like, and I'm sure Philip would go, Jesus, you know exactly how much money we have in the treasure. As a matter of fact, you're the one who picked the thief 
to be the treasurer. <laughs> but anyway, I'll, I'll go and count. And I can imagine Philip standing there and like, one, two. Jesus, we have about enough for everyone to have one bite. It's done. It's gone. That's it. Right? So let's read that next verse, John 6, 6. It says, he asked this only to test him. For Jesus already had in mind what he was going to do. So here is Jesus asking Philip this question. He wants him to add it up. He wants him to do the math. He wants him to see that logically this is impossible with the resources they have. He wants them to see that you're not gonna do this in your own power. You're not gonna be able to do this in your own strength. He wants them to see that logic and he wants them to do the math early on so that when they get on the other side of the miracle, if it was in their own power, and if it was in their own strength, and if they had the resources, they could say, we did it. But now that they know it's an impossibility, on the other side of the miracle, if they would say, if it had not been for the Lord, who was on my side, I don't know how I would have made it through. Come on, we have all lived that in this life. And that is true yesterday, today, and will be true forevermore. God wants us sometime to do the math, just like he did with Gideon. All these things, I think Gideon had already done the math and knew that he was not gonna be able to do anything in his own strength. But God wants us to do the math early on so we can see it's not gonna be by my power or my strength. It's gonna be by his spirit alone. So Jesus' seemingly dumb question gives way to a dumb answer. So verse eight, it says in John six, then Andrew, Simon's Uh, Simon Peter's brother spoke up. There's a young boy here with five barley loaves and two fish. Uh, But what good is that with this huge crowd? So yeah, is Andrew brings this little kid up. Who's ever had a dumb idea? (laughs) You can raise your hands because I'm raising a few hands, right? Come on. We've all had some dumb ideas, right? So yeah, Andrew. Now, you've had a dumb idea. You knew it was a dumb idea, but for some reason you still felt like you had to say it, even though you knew It was a dumb idea, but before you say it, you wanted everyone else to know that you knew that this was a dumb idea, (laughs) all right? So here's Andrew, brings this little boy. I found this little boy. Guys, uh, I know, I know, just just hear me out. Little boy, I mean, two fish, five loaves, I know, it's a dumb idea. There's so little, there's so many people, I don't know. But I know, anyway, I felt that it'd be the little boy. I'm done, there we go, I'm stepping away. I just had to say that. Right? Dumb idea. So Jesus asks him to bring this little boy and he brings the two fish and the five loaves. You see, you never know where God's going to use something that seems insignificant to bring transforming lives in the power of his people. In the lives, power in the lives of his people. There's a beautiful story in Los Angeles. Uh, Father Gregory Boyle in the 80s uh, was a priest and he got thrown into the hood. Um, and he grew a deep love and compassion for the homies in, in, in his community. Uh, homies uh, is a group of, <laughs> James will like this, it's a group of young lads who had the unfortunate tendency of getting distracted by gangs and violence. Yep. Homies. All right, so he had this deep love for the homies in his community. So the one day, Father Gregory Boyle had this idea, and he thought, hey, let's start a bakery. Let's start a bakery for the homies. Yeah, let's do that. Let's have the homies bake puff pastries. Yeah, that's a great idea. Let's have the homies bake puff pastries and then they can sell them in the community. I mean, can you think about that? 
Those guys don't normally sell puff pastries on the street corner. They sell other things on the street corner. So yes, Father Gregory Ball, yes, let's do that. That's a great idea. I don't know about that. Fast forward. Homeboy Industries now employs hundreds of gang members, transforming cities, communities. This is powerful. And gang members' lives. It is the largest gang intervention, rehabilitation, and re-entry program in the world. It's incredible what God could do with something that seems like a dumb idea. And I have felt like that many times. Like, oh God, this is a dumb idea. I don't, when Rod asked me to preach, I felt that. Ah, oh, that's a dumb idea. I don't know about that. <laughs> when we thought God called us to the States, like, oh, that's even a dumb idea. Like, all right, we can never... I want to just put this up. Don't underestimate the power of what seems insignificant when God adds His hand and His transforming power to it. Second thing, can we just talk about this little boy for a second? Who is this little boy? Where does he come from? And you want to tell me that out of all those people, he's the only one who packed lunch, had something to eat, right? I mean, there were 5,000 people. And that's actually only just the men. They didn't count the women and the children. So if every man had just one boo and one shorty, that's 15,000 people. Okay, sorry. Some, some street language. Boo is a significant other. Shorty is offspring. Okay. So 15,000 people. And you want to tell me he's the only one that brought something to eat? Why? I mean, was he at home that morning in the kitchen making his lunch, and I can imagine his mom walking in, going like, hey, what you doing? Like, no, I'm going to be with Jesus today. I'm just making my lunch. <laughs> and I'm sure she could have said, you don't need to make your lunch. You're going to be with Jesus today. He'll probably provide, or he'll do a miracle or something. Now, I heard someone say it a little bit differently after that. They said that your Aunt Agnes was at a wedding the week before, and he turned water into wine. She says, some of the best wine he's ever had, she's ever had. I'm not advocating drinking, but I'm just saying, if you had to think about it, we can often think that the Lord's going to provide everything and make, do all the miracles, but there's a part in our heart that has to be played. Amen. So she, she asks, she tells him this, and I'm sure he would have said, no, I want, to, I, want to, I want to make my lunch. I want to bring what I have. I want to take what I've, what I've prepared. So he packs his lunch, and he brings what he has, and Jesus creates a miracle out of it. What if Jesus is going to do a miracle by using what you and I bring? How many things have been missed because we have felt, to, we, we felt that what we bring is worth nothing and we've just stepped or walked away? What if no one brought anything? What if that boy didn't show up in the story? Would there have been a miracle? Would we be telling the story today? Would we be reading the story today? What does it mean for you and I to pack our lunch? What does it mean for us to bring what we have? And I'll just sideline. If we are to be honest, even the things we bring, we can't take credit for it. Who provided the fish? Who provided the wheat and all the ingredients to make the bread? Didn't Jesus? Who put breath in our lungs? Who clothed our bodies? Who gave us a creative mind to think and to create amazing things? So even the things that we can sometimes get puffed up about, well, we, I'm bringing this, even that is not yours. It's His. He gave it. And there's a beautiful scripture that we're gonna get to um, later on. So you see this little boy, he brings what he has, and then he gets out the way. We don't read about this little boy in the passage after that. He 
brings what he has, doesn't hang around waiting to get thanked. John spoke about that last week. Didn't hang around after the miracle to get the credit for his part that he played in the miracle. Nothing. You don't see him. One of the key things we can do as believers is to pack our lunch, to bring what we have to Jesus and to then get out of the way. See, the little boy could have maybe done it like this. Maybe you could have gone, well, you know, I've never fed 15,000 people with my fish and my bread, but I guess if you had to cut the bread like this or cut it like that, maybe if you had to break the bread like this and then break those pieces like this, this is what we do. We bring what we have to Jesus and then we try and instruct him on how to do the miracle or help him along the way. That's a sobering thing, if we had to be honest. But it's only when we bring what we have and we give it to Jesus, we get out the way that we get to stand there in awe and wonder of what he would do in us and through us. And I'm sure that little boy must have been there being like, what? <laughs> Two fish. And I mean, it's the, the scripture says that there were like, what? 12, 12 baskets full after everything. 15,000 people. You just stop and think about the reality of that. The little boy seeing that. It's incredible. So what would happen if we had to bring what we have, insufficient and all, might not seem like it's enough, but let's let the Father decide that. Let us not decide what we think is valuable or good enough for the Lord to use. He can use even the smallest thing. We just read that. Ephesians 3.20 says this, Now all glory to God, who is able through His mighty power at work within us to accomplish what? Infinitely more than we can ask or even imagine. You see, we are not limited by what we have in our hands, but we are called to surrender what's limited in our hands into the limitless power of an almighty God. We are not called, uh, or we're not limited by our power and influence, but we are called to surrender that to the power and influence of Jesus Christ. See, it's not about our names being great. It's about His name being great. Our names can only accomplish so much on the earth. I mean, I think I went to Google and looked up my name. I won't give you the results. <laughs> right? Sometimes that can affect us in any other, other way. It could have gone the other way. I could have been a great YouTuber, 7 million viewers, and my name would have popped up everywhere. And then there's another trail that goes with that as well. It's about His name. Our names can only do so much in the earth, but His name gives us full access to the kingdom of God. And I love this. There's a scripture in Isaiah 9, 7. It says, Of the greatness of His government and peace, there will be no end. He will reign on David's throne and over His kingdom, establishing and upholding it with justice and righteousness that time on and forever. This is an ever-increasing kingdom. And I love this. You know, we're not... We're not call to bring what we have or to be saved or to receive salvation and sit and wait to exit. It's not what this kingdom is about. We're called to occupy the earth, to release his kingdom on the earth until the king comes back for his kingdom. There's a beautiful thought that Tony Fitzgerald, who's the founder of Church of the Nations, had, and I just want to put that up if we can. It says, we have come into something, not just out. To be totally in we must be totally out. But we will never be totally out until we realize what we are in. You just think about that for a second. We have come into something, not just out. 
To be totally in, we must be totally out. But we will never be totally out until we realize what we are in. Isn't that incredible? We have come into something just so great. The longer we stay in this kingdom, the more the things we came out of becomes a blur. And people used to ask Peter um, in Acts, what must you do? What must you do to be saved? And he would say, repent and be baptized. And then in Acts 2, verse 40, he says, uh, then Peter continued preaching a long time, strongly urging all the listeners, save yourselves from this crooked generation. This is not a dual citizenship kingdom. This is not one foot in one kingdom and another foot in another kingdom. This kingdom is, um, demands a single-mindedness. It demands a focus. It requires a surrender and it requires a yieldingness to the Spirit. And I love this. There's a wonderful thing about this kingdom. Um, it's as you go, not as you stay. It's as we go, it's not as we stay. And Matthew 10, 7 to 8 says this. As you go, proclaim this message. The kingdom of heaven has come near. Heal the sick, raise the dead, cleanse those who have leprosy, drive our demons. Freely you have what? Receive now. What do you do? Freely give. I don't care how small you think you've, you've received. He can use the smallest to feed 15,000 people. But it's for us to be able to give. And I love this. There's a profound thing in the scripture. There's, there's fruit that comes from us proclaiming this gospel of the kingdom. What is the fruit? We just read it. The sick will be healed. The dead will be raised. Those of leprosy will be cleansed. Demons will leave people. This transformation of humanity that takes place when we preach this gospel of the kingdom. But so often we sit on our hands and we kind of like, oh, go to the next person, there's nothing here. Next person. We pass ourselves up. And it's not a boastful thing. Please hear me, it's not a boastful thing in ourselves, but we have to stop with the disclaimers, saying, I can't because. To be honest with you, the, the picture of the Israel, the people of Israel being stripped of so many things, in the last few weeks, in the last few months, I have felt that in my own life. And I've shared it briefly with the worship team the one night. I don't know what was going on, I don't exactly know why God is doing it, and I prayed, because sometimes when stuff happens, we, we think, oh, I must have done something wrong. So let me, let me fix it. What was it? Show me, wh- where was my, was my heart out of line? Was, you know? And I prayed, and I honestly sought the Lord in it, because I very quickly started to even question our purpose for being here. I questioned whether I actually even have what it takes to be able to do what the Lord's called me to do, or called us to do as a family. And we are in ministry. Some of the biggest challenges that I would have faced personally in our, in our characters, in our, in our insecurities, is the moment we said to Jesus, okay, you can have all of us. The moment we said yes, the enemy came, almost immediately. And just like we read, it's very difficult when we find ourselves in the situations when the Lord actually used a lot of people within this body who might not even know what, we, what I was going through, and they would just encourage us. And even though like that's, that um, we read in Gideon, that because of his frame of mind where he was, even when God himself tries to encourage us, it's hard for us to receive it. I sat here and I couldn't get it over it. I struggled. But I know why. Because God has a plan for us. He has a plan for my life. He has a plan for your life. And the enemy will do whatever he can to silence us. Do whatever he can 
And the comparison game is a terrible game. Don't, don't ever give way or give space to that. Looking at someone else's gifting and then questioning your own gifting. Looking at someone else's ability and then thinking you have nothing to give. It's Christ in me. It's Christ in you, the hope of glory. It's not Fred, the hope of glory. It really is not. I don't boast. And you, cannot, you can ask my wife, I'm not a boastful person. And even me saying that, I'm like, oh, does, does that sound boastful? <laughs> but it really is all about him and us bringing what we have insufficient and all in, like not enough. It's just bringing that, what we have. And let me tell you, let me just remind you, we hold treasures in our hand. Why? Because the Holy Spirit, the same Spirit that raised Christ from the dead now lives in us. So you have something incredible to offer. You have something incredible to give. Um, here we go. Isaiah 61, 1 to 3. I don't know if this is on or it is on. Okay. The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is upon me, for the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to comfort the brokenhearted and to proclaim that captives will be released and prisoners will be freed. He has sent me to tell those who mourn that the time of the Lord's favor has come with it, the day of God's anger against the enemies. To all who mourn in Israel, he will give a crown of beauty for ashes, a joyous blessing instead of mourning, festive praise instead of despair. In their righteousness, they will be like great oaks that the Lord has planted for his own glory. The beginning of that verse is for all of us. The Spirit of the Lord is upon us as his body on the earth at the time that we have found ourselves in. Romans 8, 11 says same thing. And if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies. Because of his spirit who lives in you, what you have in your hands is powerful. And I really pray that you grab a hold of that. Because unless we do, the enemy is always gonna keep us down. And the lies always keep you from engaging. God is just saying, come. Come with the strength you have. Might not feel like much, but come. Come with the strength that you have. I am your strength. His word says that when we, when we are weak, he is strong. I don't know, maybe you're sitting here today and, um, you know, my, my background, family background is a bit, you know, it's, it's broken. And um, I could have gone a very different way. But God places incredible people in our lives. And that's why I honor mom and dad. And I honor the leadership that I had, the leadership I have now. Because if it wasn't for those people encouraging and speaking in, I very quickly would have, be, would have believed what I felt was um, like I lacked in. But we have an internal father who sees you, sees me, and he's speaking and calling us today to rise up. Rise up, church. Rise up, son. Rise up, daughter. Step out of the bounds. Step out of the box that the enemy is putting around you and step into his glory. Step into what he is speaking over you. It's time for us to step up and step out and not step back and step back and say, oh, disclaimer, disclaimer, disclaimer. Oh, I can't because, oh, I can't because. I read the Bible, Jesus says that even when we don't know what to say, he will guide us and lead us in that. So I might not have it all figured out, 
But if I just take that first step out, say, Lord, I'm going to trust you. Even when I feel like I have nothing, even when I feel like I have no strength, even when I'm like getting, I'm going like, how could you be saying that over me? Look at my situation. Look at my past. Look at my history. But the Lord is saying that over us as his body because the time is now. The harvest is coming. And we cannot be um, ignorant of that today. I had this picture, and I wasn't sure if I was going to share that, but I think I'm going to share it. Uh, fireworks. So I had a great introduction to fireworks at Jerry's house on <laughs> 4th of July. <clears throat> but how many of you know sometimes you can get a dud firework? And the, the packaging on the outside could look amazing. I mean, this thing is going to blow your mind. Excuse the pun. Because <clears throat> the packaging goes like that, and then you light this thing, and it's like a... And you wait. It's like, what? Where's the rest of it? Right? And so often we can be impressed by the outside packaging. God doesn't look at the outside packaging. He looks at what's deposited inside. And His Spirit is alive in you. So let's pray. Father, I thank you that, that you are in this room today. That you see every single person. And if anything today, God, I pray that those who need to receive encouragement from your word today would receive that. If there was anyone today in this space, God, who um, has questioned or doubted their purpose and what you're calling them to do on the earth, I pray that today, Jesus, they would hear your voice, Holy Spirit, saying that you are with them, saying that you are strong in us, even when we might feel weak. And I pray, Lord, that there would be that opening of our eyes to see that what we have in our hands is valuable, it's powerful. And that's all you require is just for us to surrender that to you, whatever it is, whatever gifting we might have, we bring it to you this morning again and just surrender to you afresh today, God. And say, Lord, if, there's, if you can use anyone, you can use us. If you can use anyone, Lord, you can use us today. Use us, God, to go and change culture. Use us to go and influence society. Use us to transform our neighborhoods. May we be your church and may we release your kingdom on the earth, God. Occupy the earth, not just sit and wait around for the exit. give the spirit just just some room I really pray that you understand that today that this message is not meant for the for the church within this building we're meant to go out it's not meant for those who are in full-time ministry or elders or whatever it might be within the church it's meant much bigger than that to extend and reach much further than that. So maybe just as a as a sign, if we could all stand, if you're able to. And if you feel comfortable, I just want you just to hold your hands out in front of you. As a sign of saying, Lord, I might be looking at these hands and they might look empty to me. 
But I just pray that the Lord would just come transform your mind. That His Holy Spirit will allow you to open your eyes and to see what you have in your hands. And then maybe even this moment that His, His Spirit will come and touch those hands. Anoint your hands. Anoint who you are that you start realizing what you hold and what you have to give is valuable. For too long, the enemy has robbed the people, spoken lies. I just pray the Lord just awaken that within you today, what you have in your hands. And it's more than just the hands. I'm just using the hands as an illustration. It's all of us, my entire being, who I am, all for the King. So as your people stand before you today, God, as we stand before you, we would just say, here am I, here are we, God. If you could use us, use us, Jesus. This morning, we, we, we lay aside the disclaimers that we so often bring against the words that you speak over our lives, the promises that you declare over us. And we lay those disclaimers aside and we, we take up your word, we take up your truth, God. And we trust you, Jesus. Trust you, Jesus. Thank you that your word declares that you direct the steps of the righteous. So even so, God, you are directing us, moving us. Thank you, Fred. Hallelujah. I want us to look around. You each have an arena that you're all going to go to. Some of you are going to go to medical, some to schools, some to the work, some to blue-collar work, some to white-collar work, whatever that color means. But I want to say that you can get to places where most of us can't get to. God's going to give you a now word. God's going to give you an opportunity to take those. What's in your hand, lay hands, speak the word, announce, but deliver the kingdom of God as far as you go. Even to that place where at the checkout counter, encourage that person behind. When you pull up and you have to go and buy your gas, speak to that person. It may be the only opportunity they get to hear the goodness of God. Bless people, love people. I mean, you have people that just wait around the restaurant just to see a veteran so they can pick up their bill and pay it. Come, church, we can do so much more outside these walls. Amen. So, Father, I pray for this family. I pray for those that are listening, live streaming. Father, we thank you that we are the vessels through which divine favor flows. We thank you that we take what we have in our hands. Father, that we would deliver it for your kingdom to come and your will be done. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, you know, it's not time to go home until you said hi to about 20 people, had a cup of coffee. God bless you. Have a great week.